0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at GraceCitySD.com.
1: So this is John chapter 6, verses 25 through 35. When they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said to Him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking Me, not because Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let's pray. God, we just ask that you would point us to Jesus, that you would point us to your Son, to the bread of life, and the one who provides all that we need. So God, just set our hearts and our minds on Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, John.
1: All right, well, we're gonna
0: continue in our series, Uh, We Believe, and we've been going through the book of John, and so we are in John chapter six today, and just as... John read. We're looking at verses 25 through 35, and the message today is entitled, His Provision. How does God provide in our lives? I want to ask us a question this morning to get us thinking on this, and and this is the question. How would you define the good life? What would that be for you? Maybe it's the perfect relationship. Maybe it's personal wealth endless vacations, a huge home, that next promotion at work, kids that turn out okay, living pain-free, stress-free. Maybe that's how we would prov- uh, we would say that the good life would look. But at some point we all fall into thinking if God would provide this, if this if God would provide this wish list for me, then surely everything would be okay. Because that would be the good life. See, in our text today, uh, there are people who just experienced Jesus feed 5,000 men plus women and children, which would have been upwards of 20,000 people. And so they come to Jesus now in this text with a request. Their request is, Jesus, we want more. We want more of what you just gave us. But Jesus doesn't work like that. I love how Jesus responds here. He doesn't even answer their question. But he goes into something completely different. See, Jesus knew their deeper need. And it wasn't for more. See, for many of us, what we would describe as the good life is what uh, Paul Tripp says here. He says in this quote, We decide what is right, good, important, and valuable. The menu of the good life is written by us it has us at the center. It's God employed by us to do our bidding. It is a self-centered religiosity that bears little resemblance of the faith of the Bible. The good life, as we would define it, as what we see here, as more and more and more from Jesus, is not the message of Christianity. See, us employing God to our service is not the God of the Bible. Jesus offers so much more than just temporary fulfillment, the temporary good life of what we could envision. He provides us with something that will last. You see, it's funny because even my son, uh, he's six years old, it's so funny because we'll give him like small little treats here and there. We'll give him like some, uh, you know, some snacks and he'll be sitting in a really comfortable chair. And the first thing he does is he lays back in his chair, puts his hands behind his head, and he says, Now, this is the good life. <laughs> what we know is those snacks aren't going to last. And the fruit juice that he's drinking is going to be gone in 10 seconds. But many times what we do is we say, that's the good life. And Jesus says, you're missing out. See, it's the heart behind the question that he asks us in Matthew 16, 26. And here's what he says. He says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? That's the the heart behind the question of, you think that's the good life? What good is it if you gain the whole world? It says, yet forfeit your soul. When we have a short-sighted view of life, see, it gives us a frustration that makes us think, I deserve more. I need more. I should have more but that life is not what Jesus offers. He offers something better. See, our modern culture has sold out to the idea of, all I need is the American dream. This is my goal for life. But I wanna share with you really quickly some of the richest men in America during the 1920s that attained the American dream and what happened. Arthur Cutton uh, was considered the greatest wheat speculator and one of America's richest citizens in the 1920s. Albert Fall was a lawyer, prospector, legislator, and the Secretary of Interior in President Harding's cabinet. Leon Fraser graduated from Columbia and was the president of the Bank of International Settlements. Howard Hobson was the president of the largest gas company. Ivar Kruger founded and ran Kruger and toll a multi-billion dollar conglomerate in the 1920s, right? Jesse Livermore was one of the most flamboyant and successful market speculators in the history of Wall Street. Charles M. Schwab was the president of the largest independent steel company. Richard Whitney went to Harvard and was the president of the New York Stock Exchange. When we look at those lives, right? Case study, we say those are successful people. They had everything, but by the end of their, their life, let me tell you what happened. Arthur Cutton died of a heart attack right before he was brought to court for tax evasion. Albert Fall went to prison for accepting a $100,000 bribe and passed away in 1941. Leon Fraser committed suicide at the age of 55. Howard Hobson lost most of his estimated seventy-four million dollars and lived out the rest of his life in obscurity and ill, Ill health, dying in a sanitarium in 1949. U R Krueger committed suicide in 1932. Jesse Livermore committed suicide after Thanksgiving in 1940. Charles M Schwab was bankrupt when he died and left behind an estate with debts and obligations totaling over $1.7 million. And Richard Whitney went to prison for embezzlement. See, I'm not saying this is the case study of every life of people who gain the whole world. But we can't say it's uncommon. See, when we attain our dreams, we miss out on the better life that Jesus offers. See, God's definition of the good life is much different than the way the world and many of us would define it. And Jesus has the end in mind when we don't. And so what kind of life does Jesus provide that we, can fi- that we can't find anywhere else? Well, he says it in verse 27 of our text today. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. What we see today is that Jesus freely gives us life that we are incapable of getting on our own. See, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, this is what we need. Because wisdom will tell us, if we're honest, that life is slipping through our hands. It's like trying to catch water. It just slips right through. There's this song that came out recently called Once I Was Seven Years Old by a guy named Lucas Graham. And in the song, I just want to read some of the lyrics. Here's what he says. He says, Once I was seven years old, my mama told me, go make yourself some friends or you'll be lonely. Then he goes on. He says, Once I was 11 years old, my daddy told me, go get yourself a wife or you'll be lonely. And at the end of this song, he says, Soon I'll be 60 years old. My daddy got 61. Remember life and your life becomes a better one. I made a man so happy when I wrote a letter once. I hope my children come and visit once or twice a month. Soon I'll be 60 years old. Will I think the world is cold? Or will I have a lot of children who can warm me? Soon I'll be 60 years old. I like this song because it helps me to remember that life is slipping through and I need to make the most of every day. And that's what Jesus is telling us. He's saying you can invest and you can pour into temporary things, but it will slip right through. But what I want to offer you is something that will last forever. Eternal. That's what he wants to provide. See, as life slips away, how would God define the good life? And so our text for today is John chapter 6, verses 25 through 35. And in today's text, Jesus tells us how we can receive a way of life that only He can provide. And so there are three insights that we learn today about life. So I'm going to give you all three up front. If you're taking notes, uh, here they are. The first one is the emptiness. The second is the search. And the third is the satisfaction. Satisfaction. The emptiness, the search, the satisfaction. And so, starting out with the first one, the emptiness, verse 26. Now, in verse 26, Jesus says to them, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is pointing out something extremely important that he's about to say. Jesus is pointing out the emptiness that we all face. That's in all of us, because he goes on in verse 26. Look, he says, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They were satisfied when he fed the 5,000 plus, but it didn't last. And so what they were coming to Jesus was for the next filling. But the thing about Jesus is he won't sell out to the short-term, temporary fulfillment. He's saying, I want to tell you about something better. See, but I got to tell you about something about your life. You are empty right now. You're searching, and, and you need something more. He says, you will be hungry again. Jesus wanted them to get the deeper point. There's an emptiness in all of us. Commentator D.A. Carson says about this text, he says, Mere miracles can be corrosive of genuine faith. Jesus' charge is that their pursuit was because they saw miraculous signs, but for crasser motives. Let's be honest about our motives for a minute. Our motives are not what they should be, they're really deep down very empty. You see, Jesus. Here's the thing about Jesus. He won't let us get away with the, the, the shallowness. And so Jesus, uh, the thing I, I just, I, I tell people, I say, you know, Jesus won't let me get away with being fake. He will ask me the difficult questions. He'll press into your life. And so that's what Jesus is doing here. He's pressing into their life and he's saying, I've got something deeper. I need to ask you some questions that really you don't want to think about right now. But I do it because I love you. And so, what he's trying to get them to think about here is your motives aren't where they need to be. See, here's the thing about Jesus. He's not just just after our behavior, he's after what's behind our behavior, our motivations, our heart. And so, Jesus is, is pressing and asking questions here to get to a deeper thing. Here's why. Ultimately, the emptiness we all face is that we want stuff more than we want God. We want what God can offer. We don't want God himself. And all through scripture, Jesus says, I'm here to offer myself to you. I, I wanna give myself to you. That's so much better than just the stuff. You see, there's this story in Luke 15. And some of us who've been in church for a while, we might know it and some of us might not, but this is a, a story of a lost son. Right, we call it the prodigal son. And it's about a young man who goes up to his father one day and he looks at him and he says, Dad, I want my inheritance. And really what he's saying is, Dad, I wish you were dead so that I can have your stuff because I want to go do my own thing. And so the dad says, here son, take, take, take your inheritance, go, Run. And so the son goes off and he lives lavishly and, and he spends it all and he, and he starts to think, all my money's gone and, and, and the one thing that I had that was dependable in my life was my dad and so I'll go back and, and I won't even ask him to consider me as a son anymore, but I'll go back to him and see if he'll just receive me as a servant. And what we find is this father who comes out and he runs out to his son and he embraces him and he wraps him in his clothing, and he gives him his ring. He says, I give you everything I have. My son is home. And he brings him inside and he has this big party. And you say, well, okay, is, what's the point? The son finally realized the relationship that the father wanted to have with him that was so much better than the stuff. But what we miss a lot of the times is the older brother, you see, the older brother's outside, and he's hanging out, and he's working, and he's doing all these things for the father. But he's standing outside, and he's pretty grumpy because the son gets the big celebration. And he's spending time with the father. And, and many of us miss this, but the, the, the father comes out to the older son, and he says, what's wrong? Come in. Come inside. And he says, I've been working for you. I've been slaving for you. And you're throwing a big party for the guy who's the big sinner in there. But what the older brother didn't realize is that he was just as sinful as the younger brother. He was just as empty as the younger brother. You see, what we see a lot of the times is it's easy to judge when people are running out, finding their, you know, life and trying to fill their life out in the world. And we're like, oh man, how could they do that? But then yet, you know, we follow all these rules and we think that we're obeying God and we're missing out on God himself. See, this is all about motivations, deeper issues, because the older brother was missing out on the relationship with the father just as much as the younger son was. And you see, the, the beautiful thing is that the, the father came out and invited him in. He said, come on in. See, there's an emptiness in all of us. And, and really, our heart motivation is this. We want stuff more than we want the father. See, the older brother thought that he could work his way to get stuff from the father. He didn't want the father either. And that's what Jesus was trying to get at in that parable. See, because of our sinfully skewed motives on our own, we seek God because we want a more comfortable life. Not because we want a God-filled life. See, that's truly the emptiness in all of us. And Jesus was trying to point that out to the people here in this verse. But the second thing he points out is really the search. You know, the search that that we all have. And so, first starts with the emptiness, now it's the search. Um, And so, verse 26, he says, You are seeking. You are seeking. So you're seeking me, right? Not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And so, the emptiness, now the search. We are all searching for fulfillment. Something that will last. If we're honest, our, our hearts are restless and continually searching for something that can fill the void in our lives, right? We think that we can fill the hunger. We think we can fill the thirst. But it's much like Clements in a book, The Fall by Albert Camus. Clement says this, one of the characters, he says, Because I longed for eternal life, I went to bed with harlots and drank for nights on end. I slept in bliss, but awoke with the bitter taste of the mortal state. What we find here is a man who is searching. And what Jesus says is that we're all searching for something. Why are you searching? Because Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He, God, has put eternity into man's hearts. See, you feel it. I feel it. We feel like there's something out there that can fulfill us and bring the satisfaction that we need. But we're searching in the wrong places. How do we get what we truly need? When verse 27, Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. He'll give it to you. Jesus tells us about two different types of food and only one is worth pursuing. Again, the temporary one and the eternal. You know, I think about the temporary and I just saw recently that Prince, um, his whole estate, he didn't have a will. And so his whole estate is being divvied up right now by people he didn't even trust, lawyers, attorneys. They're all divvying up all of the things that he had accumulated over the years right now. Those are the things that are temporary. Those are the things that won't last. What is this food that Jesus offers that's eternal? See, we all eat something. And here's the truth. We search more with our stomachs than we do with our hearts. If you knew the state of your heart and I knew the state of my heart, we would see we're starving way more than we are for that next meal. See, in a lot of ways, we're products of the culture. I'm a product of the culture because I want what's quick. I want what's going to be instant, right? Like, I'm the microwave guy. I'm the guy that's like, I get a little hangry, and I'm ready to go out and get something to eat, you know, at at a fast food restaurant. I'm just confessing. You're like, that's, but here's the thing. Visualize your spiritual state right now. Is that who you are? Are you the person that's inside that's like, man, I, I am. I'm getting a little hangry right now, and I'm ready to go fill it with something that's not going to last. Because Jesus is saying, that life isn't going to work. Well, what is? Verse 28 says, what, the people ask, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Okay, Jesus, you want some deeper stuff here? You want want to push us to the eternal stuff? You want to push us to the stuff that's going to last? What do we do? What does God demand of me? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Here's a part of the searching. We don't want to stop working. We don't want to stop thinking that this is about us and earning something from God. Uh, Much of the way that, the world, and even myself, approach God or religion is, what do I have to do for God? But Jesus turns it on its head and says, it's not what you can do for God, it's what God's done for you. He's come to you, right? He's done everything to get to you. This isn't about earning. See, we stop working thinking that it will give us eternal. It, Jesus is saying this. Stop working to think it will give you eternal satisfaction. He's not saying, like, stop, like, give up your job, you know, stop working, any of those types of things. But he's saying, stop working to think that you're going to find eternal satisfaction in just your work alone. He's saying, I've got something Better for you ultimately Jesus embodies everything we need and what he's saying is work is good but I should be your goal I should be the goal see the beauty of the gospel is it's 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 not do more be better work harder gain more what it is is it's a free gift the gospel, good news, the message of Christianity is it's free. And I'm sorry, but that's really hard for us to take in, right? Like that it's free? That surely can't be true. But that's when you start to get the gospel. When you say, this is different than anything I've ever heard in my life. I remember one of my friends, I was sitting with him and we were talking about the gospel. He's like, I, this is, I've never heard this message before. I've never heard that God loved me, not based on anything I've done, but purely on what he's done for me. See, it's Romans 3.28. For we hold that one is justified, made right before God, by faith apart from works of the law. So faith, believing in Jesus, that's it? That's it. Jesus can radically change my life if I just put my faith in him, I trust him, I believe in him? Yes. See, what Jesus is saying is believe. I earn it for you. You don't earn it from God. I want to give you a new reality Think on it, trust it, let it take root in your heart, and what you'll find is the search is over. The search is over. Right, and so the emptiness, the search, the satisfaction. When you let this take root in your heart, the good news of the gospel, God's grace on your life, he loves you unconditionally. He's saying, come to me, eat on me, Take this into your life. Here's what he says. He said, you will find a satisfaction you will find anywhere else. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Jesus is saying that being a Christian is taking him into your life, letting it settle and digest in your heart every part of it right like why does Jesus use the analogy of bread we eat bread we take it in but Jesus is saying that I am the bread that you take into your life take into your heart and when you start to digest it you're gonna find that it's gonna give you energy and strength that you never had it's gonna give you the ability to be the person you never could have been and as this happens you'll never have that core emptiness that you had before See, as a Christian, it's not easy. It's hard. I have moments where I just feel like, God, are you there? Like going through those desert seasons. I do. But here's the thing I know. I do not have the core emptiness that I had before I knew Jesus. See, he solved that. He's in there. And I don't have to go searching around for anything else anymore because I know this is the truth. How many of us are still searching this morning? Because Jesus is saying, I will give you satisfaction that you can't find anywhere else. And the, the same phrase that, that we talked about last week, he uses again here. He says, ego e me, I am. Like, you want to find life? You want to find where that's at? He says, it's found in I am. It's found in Jesus. It's not me. It's in him. Because here's all the phrases he used in the book of John. When he says, I am, he says, I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. He uses it all through here. You wanna find life, you wanna find satisfaction, it's found in I am, it's found in him. But it's letting it take root in your heart. See, a lot of it is, it's, I am not, and he is. And so as we lower ourselves into that position, we see that he is greater and there will be satisfaction that you'll experience that you've never experienced in your life. See, as I look at my life and the, the path that I've been on and the places that I've been, I can say this without a shadow of a doubt that I would not be the person I am today if it wasn't by the grace of God. I've had more satisfaction in my life than I could have ever had. He's truly changed me. He wants to do that for you. Some takeaways today and some questions to help us process this are just four questions I wanna ask you today before we wrap up. The first one is, are you living or just existing? Are you living or just existing? The word Jesus uses for life is zoe. And this word means quality of life. See, Jesus gives us a quality of life that we could not have apart from him. This life is worth living. It has meaning. It's exhilarating. It has joy. Do you want to be, do you want to live an adventurous life? Trust Jesus. Put your life in his hands and say, God, like, I want to start living, right? Because what he promises is what we find in John chapter 10. He says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Think about the depression rate in our society right now. Think of the the self, like, just struggle that's going on right now. Jesus is saying, I want to invite you out of that life, and I want to give you a life that's more than the life you've got, since the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I have come to give life and give it to the fullest. I know my wife hates me saying this, but if I died tomorrow, I could say that I lived a full life. I could, live a, I could say that because of Jesus at 33. See, are you, are you living, like truly living, or are you just existing? just going through the routine of everyday life. Oh, this is just how it is. He wants to give you so much more. But we gotta start by asking that question. The second is this, what bread are you eating? It's a personal question, but is your bread the bottle? Is it pornography? Is it a relationship? Is it work? Is it racking up more credit debt? Is that the thing that we, we keep eating from again and again and we think this is gonna be the fulfilling thing, this is gonna be the life and this is gonna be, this is the, the moment it's gonna change? Unless it's the bread that Jesus gives you, it will exhaust you, it will spoil, it'll make you sick, it won't last. See, the, things, the thing I love about my friends over at Teen Challenge, and they're gonna be here in a couple weeks, the thing I love about them is like, they're like, dude, we've tried everything. They're like, all we got is Jesus. These are people who society has given up on. They're like, all we've got is Jesus. And so it's like, they're, they're just transformed. They're, they're, they're in this new life in Christ that God provided. Third question is: Does your definition of the good life include God? You know, what are your dreams? What are are the things that you're dreaming about? What are your goals? Is God a part of it? Is He even a part of those goals? I was having a, a moment where I was really struggling with what I was supposed to do next in life. You know, I'd been a youth pastor for eight years and there was a point where I was seriously thinking of like, okay, well, I don't know if, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. You know, and all the options were open to me. But here's where my mind went. I started to think, thinking about opening my own business. Like, I, I would love to do this thing. I would love to open my business and do this. And what I did was like, I was dreaming about it and I was dreaming about it in a way where it wasn't God at the center of it. That's how I knew it wasn't what I was supposed to do. A lot of it was like, maybe I could tag Jesus on it, on the side. And it was only revealing my heart. See, there are struggles that we face. There are struggles that you face. There are people that are here at Grace City that have given up a lot to do this, to be a part of this church. To and there are moments where you'll be tempted to say, man, I, I think maybe I could give in a little bit. Maybe the good life would look a little bit different if I just did this or that. But is that dream that you've got in your heart and your mind, is it God-centered? Is it Christ-centered? And then he called us to do this, and this is the most fulfilling, exhausting, but like (laughs) life-giving thing I've ever done. My family's ever done. And so, is God at the center of your dreams? And would you define it that way? And here's the, the really hard question. This is the fourth one. Would you be okay with not getting your way, but getting God instead? Would you be okay with not getting your way, but getting God instead? See, all of us would say, of course I would. It's church. But let's be honest. Our hearts aren't there. Our hearts aren't there at times. See, we need God to change our hearts. We, we, we need to repent. Like that, that's what Martin Luther says. He says, the life of a Christian is continual repentance. Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. I need you to help me, God. That's the life of a Christian. See, but what happens is he takes you on this life that you would have never thought possible. He provides things that you never thought possible. See, most of us wouldn't want to give up our dreams because we don't see the beauty that Jesus offers. We don't see it. See, we need the Holy Spirit to reveal the beauties of God. See, when I, when I was growing up, you know, I, I was born in Hawaii, lived there until I was five. We'd go back every summer. All my family lives out there. And when we would, we would go back as a kid, I didn't appreciate it. I was like, ah, Hawaii. Why do we have to go there? But then as I got older, and I started going back to Indiana, I was like, this place is really not that great. I want to go back to Hawaii. You see, and for most of us right now, what we're doing is we're living, sorry if you're from Indiana, we're living in Indiana more than living in Hawaii. See, because as I started to look around at the beauties of what Hawaii offered and the, everything that it was, I started to appreciate it a lot more. See, that, that, that's the thing, like, that's the same thing we do with God. We push him off to the side, we don't appreciate it, and we need the Holy Spirit to come in, to take the veil off, and show us the beauty of what God is offering us. It's so much better, but our hearts aren't there. And so we need him, and we need to turn to him and say, God, I, My heart's not there. I need you to help me with this. Can you help me to see it? And he'll show you beauty that you could have never thought possible. Here's the gospel this morning. Later in John, John 50 through 51, Jesus says, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. What Jesus is saying is, guys, (laughs) like we're selling out for temporary things. He's like, look, right in front of you, I'm willing to give my very self for you. See, he knew all the junk in their hearts. He knew all the junk in my heart. he's saying, I'm willing to give myself for you, sacrifice myself for you. The good news of the gospel is this, that God loves us, died for us, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, he's done done the impossible. He's saying, "I, I am here offering myself to you. I'm God and I love you. Come into eternity with me. It's not what you earn. It's not what you can do for me. No strings attached. Pure grace. Pure love. I love this quote by Paul Tripp. He says, good things come in a person. And his name is Jesus. Yes, it is true. Jesus is the good life that you need no matter what is on your wish list. If you're willing to throw the wish list out, say, God, I want you instead. That's the life that he provides that will last for eternity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for how you provide a life that we could have never had doesn't mean it's going to be pain free doesn't mean there's not going to be trials or or moments of not knowing why but the beautiful part of it is we get to go through it with you and you're going to be there in the end you're going to be the one that fills the gap and so god i pray that you open up our hearts and open up our lives This morning, because we don't have to eat of the old bread anymore. We can live a new life and eat from the bread of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.